Wait just a second here. You guys can go ahead. I think I got a text. Oh, I've got a bunch of text here this morning. Let's see here what, what they say. You know, I'm sure these are important texts. Jim, turn the air on. This place is hotter than the nursing home. By the way, that comes from Pastor Kent. And, and he's not here this morning. He's in Carthage. He's, he's got the service in Carthage this morning, Oakton, Carthage. I've, I've got another one here. It says, you're looking sharp. I'm not going to tell you who that one's from. Another one. I've got another one. Holy cow. You're, you're, you're a fine-looking preacher man this morning. I tell you what, you know, I think right now would be a good time to, to put this distraction on the altar and sacrifice the thing. Okay? Okay. The message this morning is, what is your distraction? Distractions, distractions, distractions. You know, we live in a world this morning that's full of distractions. And sometimes we don't even know that we're distracted when we're distracted because there's so many distractions, we get used to all the distractions. You know, the last several weeks, we've been talking about, uh, about Oakton's vision and, and you know, the, the sessions that we had here for three weeks in a row, and Pastor Kent was leading them, and, and looking at our vision, and it's, it's go, save, disciple, send. Uh, do you have that, the basis that you can... Stick up there behind me. There you go. You know, we, we did have them here. We had first base, second base, third base, home plate. And first base is go, second is save, third disciple, and then home plate was, was sinned. And, and we talked about how important, you know, knowing and realizing what our vision is and that we need to touch every base to bring that, that vision to, to completion or making, make it, making it a real living uh, thing in, in, in Oakton Church. Last week we talked about, we talked about uh, protecting home plate and how important it was or is to, to protect home plate, in other words, our, our spirit man. You know, how, to, how important it is to protect our spirit man and, and, and you know, how we do that. You know, if, if you're up at the plate and, and, and the, the count is no balls and no strikes, you can be kind of picky on, on the balls that you swing at. But if, if it's in the bottom of the ninth inning, you got... 
three balls and two strikes, you've got to protect home plate. You've got to protect home plate, and, and you can be looking for something to swing at because the pitcher doesn't want to walk you. Oakton and, and ourselves personally, we, we need to be in a position where we're protecting home plate. And, and in order to do that, we need to go back to the basics. I'm kind of doing a little bit of a review here from, from where we were at last week. Go back to the basics. You know, we looked at, at uh, Isaiah chapter 53 and everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross. He did it for me. He didn't do it for himself, but he did it for me. Glory to God. You know, in, in Ephesians, it says we are saved by grace through faith. And what does that mean? You know, it means that I didn't get good enough to get saved, but Jesus saved me just because he loved me. Amen. Nothing that I had to do or nothing that I could do could get me good enough for him to save me. You know, and the only thing that I had to do is just receive what he had already done. Glory to God. You know, I love doing, going back through the scriptures and just reading them and, and seeing what God did for me. And I'm sure you do too. Just going back and, and digging through the scriptures and say, God, you did this for me. You know, nothing that I deserve. But you did it just because you love me. You know, that's what protecting home, home plate is. It's going back to the basics. And, and I want to read Revelation chapter 2 here again. If you remember, this is, this is a... A, a message to the church at Ephesus that, that this angel give to, to John and, and just kind of give you an idea of, of Ephesus. Ephesus wasn't, wasn't a town like Lamar. Ephesus, they estimate, was 250,000 people at the time this was written. 250,000 people. You know, Springfield... Uh, you know, their population is, is about 165, 170. So Ephesus was a considerably larger town than, than Springfield, just kind of as a reference. I mean, you take uh, Newton County and Jasper County and Barton County and, and Vernon County and Cedar County and Dade County, it's still smaller than, than the city of Ephesus. It was a port city. There was a lot of stuff going on there. You know, it, it was a city where, where they were worshiping idols. You know, there was a different idol and, and, and temple on every, on every street corner. But if we remember back in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8, Paul said that there is a great opportunity that has been opened up for me in Ephesus. But it's not without... It's not without some problems. You know, it's, it's not going to be an easy, easy opportunity, 
but it's an opportunity. There's going to be things that come against me, but I've got to go. Okay, in, in Revelation chapter 2 here, it says, To the angel, the messenger of the assembly, the church in Ephesus, write these things. He who holds the seven stars which are the messengers of the seven churches in his right hand, who goes about among the seven golden lampstands, lamp which are the seven churches. He says, I know your industry and your activities, your labor's toil and your trouble and your patient endurance and how you cannot tolerate wicked men and have tested and critically appraised those who are called, who call themselves apostles, special messengers of Christ, but yet they are not, and you have found them to be impostors and liars. I know that you are enduring patiently and are bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not fainted or become exhausted or have grown weary. But I have this one charge to make against you, that you have left, you have abandoned the love that you had at first you have deserted me, your first love. And then it goes on in verse 5. It says, remember then from the heights that you have fallen. And then it says, repent. Change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works that you have previously, that you did previously. And, and, we're, going to, and we're going to stop right there. He says, you guys have been doing good stuff. You had some victories, just like Paul had, had talked about over there. But it says, you left your first love. You've abandoned me and you've deserted me. And that's, that, that's some serious charges right there. You know, and, and you think about that and... and you know, how can, how, how can that happen? You know, how can it happen? You know, this was, this was the only church in Ephesus, 250,000 people. And, you know, Gary, that would have been, been like shooting fish in a barrel. I mean, the opportunity was great. The opportunity was awesome, but yet there was, there was some, there was some obstacles to overcome. You know, the, the, the big god in, in Ephesus was Artemis, and there was a big temple there to that god. And, and you know, right next door to it, there was, there was another temple, and it was a temple of prostitution. And, and it was, you know, it was, it was a dirty place, you know, physically and morally. What are the, what are the dis, distractions? And, and we'll come back to this. What are the distractions that are hindering us from, for, from protecting home plate? What are the distractions? 
You know, distractions are, are a trick to get us to fight the wrong person. To get us to fight the wrong thing and to get our attention on the wrong things. Give you an example. In 1 Samuel chapter uh, you know, 16 and 17, Saul has lost his anointing because he wouldn't do what God had told him to do. And he had messed up and, and God pulled his anointing from him uh, to be king. He was still king, but he wasn't anointed anymore. Samuel, the, the chief priest, was, you know, he was brokenhearted. He didn't know what to do. He was staying up all night worrying about, you know, who was going to be the leader of Israel. God spoke to him and said, I want you to go to Bethlehem and I want you to, to sacrifice there to me and I want you to sanctify Jesse and, and his boys. And out of those eight sons, I'm, I'm going to anoint a new king of, of Israel. You know, I don't have time to read the whole two chapters. It's a very good read. Go home this afternoon and, and read 1 Samuel chapter 16 or the end of chapter 15, 16 and, and 17. Okay, you, you know, so Samuel went down and, and to Bethlehem uh, offered up sacrifices to God, sanctified Jesse and his boys. And, and, the, first, and the first son uh, was, was presented to him. And that is in, in the 1728, 1 Samuel 1728. And his name was Eliab. And he was, he was the oldest kid, son. He was, he was a great looking young man. He was tall. And Samuel said, this has got to be the guy right here. It's got to be the one that God chose. But God said, no, it's not him. It's not him. You know, he said, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here. Okay, this, this is the Jim Worth version. But he says, this is not, Eliab is not the one. You know, I know he's good looking. He looks it'd be the obvious choice since he's the oldest son. But, but I don't look on men like you do. I look on their heart and not on their physical appearance. And it went down through all, you know, seven of, of Jesse's sons and he didn't choose any of them. And Samuel said, you know, Jesse, you got anybody else? Because, you know, none of these are the ones God has chosen. He said, well, I've got, you know, I've got my youngest son. He's up taking care of the sheep. He said, well, go get him. He sent for, he sent for David. David showed up. He was, it said he was young and ruddy. He had a, a reddish complexion. It says he had beautiful eyes. And, Jesus, and God said, this is the one that I want you to anoint. Okay, we can go through the rest of the story and we know that the Philistines uh, had come to battle against, against Israel. And they had a champion. His name was Goliath. 
And for 40 days, Goliath and, and the Philistines would come down and set themselves in a battle array and, and Goliath would shoot his mouth off and, and cuss Israel's God, make fun of them, you know, and, and you know, Israel was afraid of them. Jesse told David that I want you to go down and, and I've got another text. That's a distraction, isn't it? Jesse got a hold of David and said, I want you to go down there and check out and see how your brothers are doing. Three of the oldest brothers were in, in the army. And so he went and he, he took some loaves of bread and he took some cheese and he went down there to check, check out and see how things were going. And then in 1 Samuel chapter Chapter 17, Eliab, the, the oldest son that was rejected, was angry at David and he said, why did you come down here? You have left those sheep that you're supposed to be taken care of. But if you look back up two or three verses of scripture before that, before, before David left the sheep, he put somebody in charge. The sheep weren't without a shepherd. He says, I know that your, your heart of, your, you've got an evil heart and you came down here just, just to see the battle. And then in verse 29, and David said, what have I done now? Was it not just a harmless question? He says, what have I done? I'm just, I'm just following after what my father told me to do. In verse 30, verse 30 says, David turned away from Eliab. Eliab was a distraction. Eliab was a distraction. If, if David had kept his eyes on Eliab and his other two brothers that told him, you know, to go home where he belonged. Goliath would have never been conquered. Because when David turned, turned away from Eliab and got his eyes off the destruction, he was looking right at the problem. And you know, the rest is history. The rest is history. When Goliath presented himself, when, when, the, when the situation, when the problem presented himself, itself, David said, I killed the lion and I killed the bear and you're going to be just like those. You know, I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed your body to, to the fowl of the air. And that's exactly what happened because he did not allow the distractions of life get his eyes off, off the enemy. He knew what Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you he shall and you shall hold your peace and remain at rest. Many times we're fighting the wrong fight 
and our Goliath, the Goliath in our life, goes undefeated. So many times we, we, get, we get our focus off of, of what God has called us to do. And we're, we're going out around here and, and fighting fights and fighting people and fighting situations that, that we hadn't ought to be in. But we need to keep our eyes on him. That's part of protecting home plate. That's part of protecting your home, protecting your spirit man. Another point that I want to bring here this morning is that, that our victories have to be sustained. You know, far too many times we settle for a, a battle won and get our eyes off of the war. You know, past victories can, can be a distraction. Or they can be a springboard to the next victory. Give you an example. And, and Ann Kelly's here this morning, and, and if I'm wrong on this, she can wave her hand and say, no, that's not right. You know, our Supreme Court here recently overturned Roe versus Wade. That was a great victory. Glory to God. And we celebrated that and we should celebrate that. But now the, you know, the, the abortion issue is in the state's hands. Isn't that right? Okay. The greatest cause of death in, in America today is, is abortions. And, and you can look up all different kinds of statistics on this, and, and they'll, they'll even tell you that, that most of them are, or none of them are right because they just report on the legal ones, okay? But, but the, the figure that I come up with here, and, and there's some higher and some lower, is that there's 930,000 abortions per year. The second leading cause of death in the United States is, is heart disease, and it's 695,000, you know, a distant second. But we had a victory with Roe versus Wade, right? So we're good. We're not good. The abortion issue is now up to the states. And, and I'm, if I understand right, you know, this issue is probably going to come up in our next election. Okay? And, and right now they're fighting over the language that, that is going to be in, in that state amendment. They're, they're, they're running it through as an amendment, you know, not just as a, as a law. Okay, yep. Because I can't get it through the state. The state is very, you basically outlawed 
when that comes up on, on the ballot, you know, this, this next ballot season or time is it's going to take more than a less than 10% voter turnout to get the right answer, to get the right results. So let's not let past victories take our eyes, you know, be a, be a distraction to the work that's ahead of us. Okay? The victory has to be sustained and we shouldn't allow past victories to, to be a distraction. You know, has Oakton been, been distracted by past victories? You know, as I was looking at, at this, this, this week and, and praying about it, you know, I'm, I'm not so sure that maybe that's what happened at the churches of Ephesus. You know, he said they'd done great things. You know, they'd worked hard. You know, they, they had recognized evil when it showed up. And, you know, they, they did all these good things, but, but they lost their love. They lost their first love. Has Oakton become distracted by past victories? What, what are some of the victories that Oakton has experienced since you've been here? Is there, is there any past victories that, that Oakton has had? Okay, that, that, that was, that's definitely a victory. Amen. You know, Oakton, Oakton has, has experienced numerous victories over the past few years. I can remember a couple here less, less than 12 months ago whether right or wrong, you know, doesn't make any difference. You know, we, we were able to, to pay out the separation, pay off the separation expense. Glory to God, that's a victory, amen? And, and not only that, and not only that, we, we paid off this building and, and Oakton is now debt free. Glory to God. That, that, that's a victory, yes. Praise God. Glory. Hallelujah. That's an awesome victory. What about Oakton Carthage? That's an awesome victory in Carthage. You know, just number one, the fact that it that it even exists is a victory. You know, it started out with a with a, a home Bible study that grew up to 70, 80. 90 people, we, we, we bought a building, you know, the building that we're in now we paid cash for, hallelujah, glory to God, amen, amen. glory to God, I'm, I'm waiting for, for the next victory that he's going to make possible for Oakton in, in Golden City. 
Glory to God. Oakton has experienced victory after victory after victory. And we need to be a thankful people. Not distracted by past victories, but looking forward to what God wants to do next. Amen. God is wanting to take Oakton from glory to glory to glory. He doesn't want to just stop at glory. I'm telling you folks, God has got something great in store for the people that will not get distracted, will keep their eyes on Him, will take care of home plate, know who their first love is, and protect that at all costs. Glory to God. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, and this is out of the Amplified. And all of us, as with unveiled, as with an unveiled face. I want you to get a picture of this. It says, all of us with an unveiled face. What's that saying? That we've pulled off all the distractions and threw them to the side. We're not distracted by, by what somebody says about us. You know, like, like David wasn't distracted when Eliab come up there and said, did anybody ever get in, in a fight with their siblings? The guy over there, he's honest. You know, David had an excellent opportunity to get in, get in a fight with his older brothers, but he didn't do that. He just turned his back on them and looked towards what God had called him to do. But it says, and all of us, as with an unveiled face, a face that's not, not hidden by the, the distractions of this world, because we continue to behold in the word of God, as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We don't have any, any distractions in front of us. And we're looking to the word of God. And we're beholding his glory. Beholding his glory. What happens? We're transfigured into His image. We, we've got all the, all the junk pulled off. We're looking into the Word of God, and, and, and it's a mirror to our life. And we see what's in there. And we're transfigured from glory to glory. It says, ever-increasing Splendor from one degree of glory to another, 
For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You need to go home and meditate on this for about two and a half, three hours. And, and just let it soak in and, 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 and marinate on the inside of you. You know, I'm, I'm going to pull off all the, all the distractions. You know, I'm going to turn my cell phone off. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pay any attention to what, what they're, you know, saying about the chiefs or, or what they're, you know, saying about me on any kind of social media outlet. You know, none, none of that stuff makes any difference because when that stuff, when we allow that stuff to distract us, we, we start fighting the people, we start fighting against people that we should be fighting for. Distractions will cause you to fight the wrong the wrong people, the wrong situation. But when we keep our eyes on him, you know, when we protect that home plate, when we when we protect home plate, we won't let any distractions in. Don't let any distractions in. And and you know, we, we don't have any problem with with hitting first base, second base, going and saving, and third base discipling and back to home, send. And it's just it's 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 a never ending cycle. It's it's go, save, disciple, and send, and when you get home, you go again. Amen? Because you got your eyes focused on Him. It's 11 o'clock and, and we, we should be quitting. Another thing that, that, that is a distraction is, is pride. You know, in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16 and 17 in the NLT, it says, For the word for the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything that we see, and pride in our achievements and our possessions. These are not from the Father, but they are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You know, and I, I'm an example that, that pride can, can be a distraction. And, that, and that's a distraction that we cannot afford. And I'll keep this as, you know, I, I've held three different service manager jobs 
in, in my past. You know, number, first I was, I was service manager at Gilkey's. I didn't know how to come in or go out. Didn't know up or down from being a service manager, but I had a good teacher. And, you know, made a lot of mistakes. You know, probably made some enemies, you know. Uh, but I learned a lot. And then, you know, that season was over and, and I went back into the ag business and, and was parts guy for quite a while and, and customer support rep. And, and, and then, then I became service manager at, at John Deere at Lockwood. And, and I don't want to sound like I'm bragging. I'm just telling you facts. The service department was a stinking mess. You know, it, it, it was a mess. You know, they was work orders six and eight months old that had never been figured, you know, let alone being paid. You know, there was customer work orders and there was uh, warranty work orders. And, you know, the service department was losing hundreds of thousands of dollars. And, and we went in and, and, and got that straightened up. Uh, I'm not going to go into all the details with that. And, and we got things back on its feet and, and, you know, we added technicians and we became a profitable service, service department. And, you know, at the time, you know, it, it was a competition to see which service department could be the best in the organization, you know, be the most profitable. And Lockwood was number one. But it wasn't because I knew all the answers to everything. It was because I spent time in prayer asking God, what do I need to do next? Because I do not know. You know, and, and I told everybody that. You know, and, and I'm not going to say up here, you know, you know, pride had an opportunity to move in and, and you know, from time to time it probably did. You know, when that when that season was over, I, I came to 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 Lamar over here to Case IH, and and you know they were losing two or three hundred thousand dollars a year, and you know pennies were being pitched in the in the service department as as recreation, you know, and 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 we 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 got that turned around. And, you know, we'd, we'd have company-wide managers' meetings. And, and, you know, after about two years, uh, you know, our profit margin was up over 400%. You know, and, and I didn't like going to those service managers' meetings because they always bragged on me. You know, how do you do it? I want to know how, you, I want you to go here and show them how to do it. Well, you know, the, the way you do that is spend time in prayer. You know, and, and most of them guys, you know, they, they couldn't spell prayer. You know. But I always tried to be careful not to let pride enter in and, 
and be a stumbling block and be a, be a distraction to what God wanted to do. Okay? And I always had the best technicians of anybody in, in the corporation. I always had the best. They maybe not, didn't start out the best, but I spoke over them every... Spoke over them every morning before they got there. I was always the first one there. And, and we, we pray, or I prayed over, over everything that I had authority over. You know, and that's what we need to do as a church. As a church. You know, don't, don't, don't let pride enter in and be a distraction. You know, we may have 230, 40, 50 here this morning. And yes, that's probably more than, than, than a lot of churches in, in this area. But don't let that be a point of pride. We can't afford it. Can't afford it. Don't let pride be a, be a distraction. But humble yourself under the hand of God and let him exalt you. Let God do the exalting. You just protect home plate. It's easy, it's so easy to get, be distracted. So easy. So easy to be distracted. Praise team. Psalms chapter 126, starting with verse 4. It says this, And now, Lord, do it again. Bring rains to our drought-stricken lives, so those who planted their crops in despair will shout yes at the harvest. I'm ready to let out a big shout of yes to the harvest here at Oakton. To those who went off with heavy hearts, for those who went off with heavy hearts will come home laughing with armloads of blessing. Your story is not over. God can redeem your time. You know, when David went and told Saul what his plans was for Goliath, Saul said, but you're only a youth. You're only a young man that doesn't have any battle experience. And Goliath, he's been a warrior since he was knee-high to a grasshopper. 
David, you're only. Well, I got good news for you this morning. You're not just an only. You're not just an only. You're the child of the living God. He's made you the head and not the tail. Above only and not beneath. He has given us His name. The name that's above every name in heaven and earth and underneath the earth. The Word says that we have the mind of Christ. It says that these things that that I do, you'll do, and greater things, because I go into my Father. You know, our part is the doing. You know, our part is the doing. If there's someone here this morning that hadn't made Jesus the Lord of their life, man, today's the day. Glory to God. Don't buy into the distractions of Satan like I did for so long. And, and let Satan lie to you that man, when you, when you get born again, fun is over. No, fun has just began. If you've got some distractions in your life, I would invite you to come to the altar this morning and leave them here. Just like I left my telephone here. Leave the distractions of life, past victories, pride, believing a lie that somebody's told about you or whatever it is. I mean, we could go on and on and on and on and on about the distractions. But if your life is distracted this morning, I'd invite you to come to the altars and leave that distraction here and go home this week and work on home plate.